Hey everyone, this is Larry from WSTrades.com. This podcast is about trading stocks and stock options. Any information in these podcasts should not be construed as advice. It's for educational and entertainment purposes only. We are not financial advisors. Hey everyone, it's Larry and James from WSTrades.com doing our weekly update podcast. How are you doing, James? Doing good, man. How are you? Good. All right, you uh, want to go over your trades you got into or got out of last week? Yeah, I don't think I had any closers. I think my last closing trades were for the uh, December monthlies. I haven't been doing much in the weeklies here. Uh, let me take a look at what I had going on. So it looks like on Monday, um, I sold a call spread against KRE. Take a look at what's going on with them. Must have been riding somewhat high. Yeah, looking at the daily chart. Uh, They're pretty close. I guess they're a couple bucks away from uh, all-time highs. They recently set an all-time high. Um, or at least for the year on the daily chart, uh, late November. It had a pretty nice pullback, but then had a pretty good rip back. So with them ripping up pretty hard, um, I sold a call spread there. So that is for the February monthlies. And then space. So I got my uh, shares on space during the sell-off when they were, I think, at 17 and a half or something. And they just continued to bleed down another couple bucks. So I ended up getting more shares at 1407. Um, of course, they continued to bleed, not much, but I think they closed at 1355 today. So I'm down a little bit on that um, second set of shares that I grabbed. But yeah, just having that thing dip down to 14, it just, I couldn't pass it up. So I grabbed some more shares there. Um, and then SLV. I think I sold a put spread for February monthlies on SLV. They've been dying. Uh, looking at the daily chart, they pretty much um, are pretty much near the low. I see a low of like 1980 on this chart. So I felt pretty good um, selling the put side there um, with that big move down. And then let's see, EWW. Oh, yeah, this is the one that I think you told me that it hit uh, your end of trend scanner. I think I placed the trade and I made a video about the trade update it and then I uploaded it to the YouTube channel and then I think you texted me and said, hey, EWW hit the end of trend scanner and I was like, sweet. I hope that is the end of the trend because they're pretty much, we're almost overbought at that point. Um, So I sold the 52 call and they haven't even been at 52 um, like the entire year. Their high was like 51.49, and I want to say they were right around 51 when I sold that. Um, So, yeah, I wanted to play the call side there, and that is uh, the Mexico ETF. And then I also sold a put on FXI um, because they made a pretty good move down. Pull it up here. This is the China large cap ETF. Um, yeah, they've just been working their way down on the daily chart. Like the beginning of the chart, they have this run up to 54, and then it's pretty much just been a downtrend the entire uh, past year. So with them making that move down to about 35, 
Um, I thought it was a good time to sell the put side there. Um, so yeah, I think I went pretty close to the money on it because I see they closed at 36.55 and my uh, strike is 35. So they can move down about a buck and a half or yeah, about a buck and a half. And that would be at the money uh, for the February monthly. So um, yeah, those are my opening trades for this past week. Nice. I think I talked about this one uh, the last, sorry, the last podcast because we were, I think, a day late. I'm just going to go over it anyways. It's from uh, a trade I had on last week. Uh, so I opened a put spread on Merck. Yeah, I had to have talked about this one on the 21st and closed it out on the 28th uh, for, I bought it back for two bucks. So that's a nice profit. Uh, then I got into a call spread on CF. And that one's looking great. Even by uh, Friday, I was technically uh, 100% profit on the trade. But at that point, it's so far out of the money. There's no uh, volume on the option, so I can't close out of it, which is fine with me. I'll just let them expire worthless. But I'd like to get out of the trade a week early and put the capital to something else. Um, this one is kind of worrying me. I sold a call spread on WDC and... Where are my strikes? Strikes are what was it? oh 68, 69. <clears throat> Damn. So still got a ways to go. I don't think they're gonna hit it, but they did pump a little bit today. They're up uh just over one percent. And I would have liked to just see them continue to kind of trend down, but like I say, strikes are still uh pretty far away from the money, so I feel comfortable. And I also sold a call spread on ticker STX, and I think. Let's see what they're running at. Yeah, they damn near doji today, so they were only up 0.1%. Uh, so, still pro I think I'm up uh, like 50% on that right now. And then I had one closing trade, and that was Ford. They didn't get me for max loss, but they got me. Ended up, uh, I think I only lost 13 bucks on the trade. Uh, the short leg was just barely in the money, so ended up having to close that out. But, yeah, that... Of course, Ford, the week that I play them, you know, the week you play them, they get the great, great grandkids buying up shares to pump the price. And then when I play them, they get two uh, price target adjustments. So, you know, <laughs> I think they just had to get us. Yeah, I just thinking about it, probably just need to stop playing them because I can't remember. I mean, it's not like I play them a lot, but the few times I have made trades, like, I don't ever remember it working out, so <laughs> I don't know. Like, maybe I should just stay away from that one. Oh, my God. I just pulled up their chart that gapped up this morning and finished almost 5% up. Oh, my. Yeah, see yeah, what great-grandkid was buying crap today. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's trying to go back up to the overbought level again. Um, I was looking at the WDC, yeah, even though they are cooking, that still looks like a pretty good trade to be short because, man, the RSI is back at over 70 again. Um, so, yeah, that looks like they're due for a pullback. Um, although I do see back in February um, of last year, they got into that oversold area. They did have a nice little pullback, though, but then they ripped back super hard and the RSI went all the way up to 79. But, um, yeah. That still looks like a pretty uh, pretty good short position. And then looking at uh, STX as well. Um, what was your short strike on the STX again? Um, STX. It was a spread, right? 
Yeah, the short is 116. Oh, okay. Yeah, so they're down at 113. Yeah, that looks pretty good. I mean, they rammed up into that uh, overbought, and now they're kind of dying off. So, yeah, those look like uh, two pretty good short plays right now. Yeah, I'm not too worried about it, but I just wish WDC, uh, WDC and STX were both eating a fat one this morning. And I tried to close out of... Uh, which one was? I think it was STX this morning uh, for like a 70% profit when they were just dying and didn't get filled. And then, of course, they just started pumping back to be in the green. So, yeah, I'm still feel pretty comfortable with them. Uh, but, you know, we'll see if I got to make some adjustments. And they expire Friday, so I should be all right. Nice. Yeah. Hopefully those ones work out. All right. So what topic are we doing today? Yeah, so we're kind of talking about it uh, recently, and we wanted to change it up a little bit and maybe just tell like a crazy um, stock market story. And uh, I know you were telling me about some crazy short squeezes, and yeah, I just wanted to see if maybe you could go over uh, one of those crazy short squeezes you were telling me about. Well, I got a, a couple of them are kind of my favorites, and the one... What year did this happen? It was the Piggly Wiggly one, where Piggly Wiggly, Piggly Wiggly was kind of the first grocery store as we know them today, where you go in and you know grab your stuff, go to a register and get out. And I guess in oh 1922, a uh, few of the franchises of Piggly Wiggly were uh, going bankrupt, so it caused people to just start shorting the crap out of it, and the owner. Uh, or founder kind of had a big ego and he's like, no, no, no. So he started buying up all the shares and basically bought up 99% of all of the shares. And he was telling these everyone that's short, hey, pay up, pay up. You got to cover, you got to cover. And it just shot the shares from anywhere from 39 all the way up to, or from 39 all the way up to 124. And then uh, the New York Stock, Stock Exchange told him, no, nah, man, you, we're permanently suspending trading on this. You own 99% of the, the shares. It's not even, you know, you can't have a liquid market at that point. So uh, he ended up losing millions and ended up going bankrupt just by trying to teach people a lesson because of his ego. Uh, you know, no, you're not going to kill my company. So I thought that one was pretty funny. And the other one that I really like uh, because I hate this D-bag is Bill Ackman. When he and I remember this too. I remember thinking, uh, kind of his doc. It was a documentary that he, hindsight he probably paid for. But uh, in 2012, 2012, Bill Ackman uh, shorted the hell out of Herbalife, and he was saying it was a Ponzi scheme and a, a pyramid scheme, and it's going to go to zero. And I remember watching a documentary about it, and it was showing clips of his like uh, conference that he was saying that. And it caused everyone, there was just a fat sell-up on Herbalife. Well, Carl Icahn, who uh, runs Icahn Capital, was like, didn't like um, Bill Ackman. So he took a 25% stake in the company, in Herbalife, and they were kind of battling around. And at the end of the day, Icahn won, and uh, Ackman ended up losing over a billion dollars on it because he had to close his short positions. Oh, man, that's crazy. So in the first uh, one you were talking about there, the Piggly Wiggly, the founder 
or whatever was able to get a 99% stake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and just because of his ego, it's it, it's kind of awesome that he, you know, believed in his company that much. He's like, you know, screw you shorts, you know, you're not going to crush my company, but then didn't like know the rules of the stock exchange that, you know, one person can't own 99% of the shares and be traded. So I guess there's really nothing, or maybe at that time, there was really nothing in place to prevent something like that from happening. But like today, I mean, can, you know, Elon Musk go in there and buy all of his shares if he has enough money? Or is there like something in place now, do you know, to like prevent that from even happening? Well, I think it would get delisted just like in this situation where if Elon wanted to buy all the shares it would just be you know a private company at that point oh man so they can let it happen it can still happen it's just you know once it happens you're pretty much done you're yeah, I would, yeah <laughs> i would assume so i don't see why he couldn't but just know the consequences right yeah that's pretty insane that he was just like no and bought everything up and then was you know gonna get delisted that's crazy and then the Second one you were talking about there, um, yeah, being able to go in and grab a 25% stake, and that was enough to keep it afloat, and then he blew up the short position. Man, that's pretty wild. Yeah, it's two of these rich dudes going at it. So that's why I kind of don't go for this whole uh, Reddit thing where, you know, hedge funds are evil and everyone's trying to kill you and all this crap. It's like it, rich people don't necessarily like each other. So if, you know, you could have a situation just like this, if AMC was a good company and another hedge fund was like, you know, OK, this is a massive short position in this. Well, I like the company. I'm going to buy it up. It, you know, I just I just don't subscribe to the whole hedge funds are trying to steal all of our money and, and stuff like that. It's going around on the Internet and that, you know, everything is manipulation. Yeah, because like you're saying, if somebody, you know, has a total opposite outlook on the stock or the company, then, yeah, you could have these hedge funds or these really rich people coming in and going long. They're not always, you know, trying to short the hell out of a company, but they will be trying to short the hell out of a company if they do think it's, you know, doomed to go bankrupt or, you know really is in trouble financially or something like that. Yeah, that kind of brings up a, a point. I sent you the screenshot of that dude on Weeble. So I did a video on, uh, was it Pixie Shift or Shift Pixie? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, ticker P-I-X-Y. And they pumped like, God, where'd they go from like, I'm going to pull it up. It was like 80 cents to 140 or something. Pull it up real quick. Yeah, they're around 80 cents and then jumped all the way to. Oh, wait, I got to go to the four hour because TD doesn't freaking work like that. Yeah, they pumped all the way to 275. So I went over to Weeble and I was like, what the hell is going on here? I looked at the news and, uh, then I went to the comments, and some dude's like, oh, my God, look at this thing's going to squeeze crazy tomorrow. And then I just in the, the news section from TD and on Weeble and everything, it was just no news. 
Uh, we don't understand what's going on, why it's pumping like this. Uh, pre-market, uh, the short float is only 1%. And this dude's sitting here, oh, my God, this thing's going to squeeze. That's, you know, this thing's going to go crazy tomorrow. And I'm like, dude, there's only 1% of the float is short. It's not, nothing's going to squeeze about this, man. And he's, the guy was like, what are you, what's, why are you telling me this? What does that have to do with anything? And I was like, oh, my God, just forget it, man. And it's like everything today, people just assume is a short squeeze. This thing's going to squeeze. That's going to squeeze. And it's it, it doesn't always happen. Yeah, for sure. There's like some things that need to be lined up. You know, you got to have a certain amount of short interest. And um, yeah, it's like not every single, you know, crappy penny stock out there is going to be the next... Uh, mother of all short squeezes. (laughs) Did did you look into that one, the 1901 Northern Pacific? Because that'd be a good one to talk about, but I just, I don't know the facts well enough because that's, you know, a good segue into what we're just talking about. Some, you know, sometimes you think AMC is going to be a million dollars a share, but the government steps in and tells you, no, it's not. Yeah, well, I didn't look deep into it, but I did pull it up really quick. And I know in this case, um, I guess there was, you know, really massive uh, short squeeze with this one. And then it looks like there was uh, a negotiation for the um, closing of the short position because it says here... um, Here's just a little snippet from the story. It became obvious on Thursday that more shares were sold short than could be bought back in the market. So it says Northern Pacific rose quickly as short sellers rushed frantically to cover their positions, except no shares were available. So it says Harriman and Hill had cornered the market and the stock price went from 300 to 500 to 800 to 1,000 a share. Um, And it says here that the deadline to deliver the shorted shares was 2.15 p.m. on Thursday. Short sellers dumped everything um, as losses grew, and it set off market-wide panic. So I guess people within the market in general were freaking out um, with this one ticker um, doing this. Um, And it says here that the short sellers in the Northern Pacific stock got a lucky break and were allowed to close their short positions for $160 a share. So even though this thing got all the way up to like a thousand bucks a share at some point, um, there was some kind of negotiation to where the shorts could close um, at a more reasonable price. Yeah, that's what I feel like is going to happen with AMC. If AMC, if it's true that there are more uh, shares sold short than are available, I feel like it's going to be the same thing. And oh, my God, with the Internet. Nowadays, it, you know, <laughs> it's going to be horrible because they're already freaking about manipulation and all that crap. Imagine if that happened. Oh, yeah, it'd be kind of funny if it went up to like a thousand a share and then like. Yeah, I don't know, that would just be I, yeah, I mean, I guess this type of situation has happened several times in the past. So, yeah, what's going to be the next ticker where something like this is going to happen again? Yeah, so that's why I like that. Uh, oh my god! Oh, reminiscence, reminiscences of a stock operator book that you can get off the website uh, for free because that he says the same thing. He's like, nothing new happens in the market; it's happened before and it's going to happen again. And so, you know, you look at some crazy stuff like this, and 
yeah, it's happened like everyone freaking out about short squeezes. And that's what every news story is about is, you know, what's the highest uh, shorted stock. And it's like, well, it's nothing new. It's been happening. People cornering markets and, you know, shorting the hell out of stuff. It's yeah, it's all happened before. Right. It's nothing new. Um, I was looking at Big Five. What when you played them last, wasn't their short interest up around like 40 or 50 percent or something insane? I want to say. Was it that high? I want to say it was like 37 when I traded them. That's still pretty. Yeah. I want to say I was thinking like 40 or something, but boy, have they died off. I don't know if you've looked at them recently, but yeah, they had the earnings and that whole pump or they pumped pretty good. I mean, they went from about 23 up to 46. I mean, that's a good, uh, you know, 100% gain, but then they gave it all back and now they're at 20 bucks. Well, you know, you see what it was is they were highly shorted and then they had earnings and they offered that special $1 dividend. So that got Mm -hmm. everyone in. So everyone covered their freaking shorts and look where they're at now. They're right back where they were. There's a hundred percent pump and then it just disappeared. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I feel bad for people that bought in at 46. Yeah. That's what I just, it's so freaking dangerous. That's why I hate seeing and it might be because I've Googled it before, uh, but I feel like every like financial, like Yahoo Finance, uh, CNN Finance, they all have news stories about what's going to be the next short squeeze. And it's like, dude, t- what are you telling people to play that crappy? Like if something's shorted to the point that there is a possible squeeze scenario, it's probably a really crappy company. So, you know, why don't you tell them how to invest in, you know, something more reliable like it just boggles my mind. People that are just solely looking for short squeezes. It's like, dude, if you would have just put all your capital into like Tesla, I guarantee you'd be seeing fat profits instead of, you know, making a little bit and then you get caught up on the run on one and, you know, it sells off and now you're bag holding and then you're talking about manipulation. Just, <laughs> just dude, just play a, a decent company. Yeah, exactly. Like buy the dip on some of these more legit stocks or just, you know, put your money in the S&P 500 or something like, and you can, yeah, I think the whole game is like consistency. Cause if you, you know, pile everything you have into some heavily shorted penny stock and then it explodes and, you know, you have the wherewithal or, you know, the discipline to actually take profit at a good point. Great. You made a lot of money, but then what happens the next thing you get into and it doesn't squeeze um and it just bleeds and it bleeds and it bleeds like you know what you know at what point are also one of those tickers possibly going to go to zero and go bankrupt or go very low to where you lose all that capital and yeah it's just like i don't really see that being a consistent strategy or like anything that i would even want to consider um geez i'm just <laughs> it just brought to my mind clover health oh my god i literally just pulled that up i was four waiting bucks. to stop talking so i could have you pull it up <laughs> four bucks dude like i had people bashing me when they were trading like around uh seven eight nine and i was just like man i don't i don't see anything great in this chart like i, I don't know what to tell you guys and people are just bashing the hell out of me and it's like well they just hit 368 the other day. So, like, man, I don't know what to tell you guys. Um, hold on one second. Where's the... 
Oh my god, they're only shorted six percent from what I can see now. Clover, so the shorts, yeah. so oh, shorts covered, and these people are still bag holding, waiting for this thing to freaking skyrocket. Yeah, this is just like these types of tickers and trades and stuff are just, yeah, not my thing. I want to find something that's consistent and high win rate and like something that's going to make money over time, you know, whether, you know, versus investing in something like this. Also pull up CEI's chart and you're going to see a similar sad story. Oh, I saw them this morning. (laughs) I was looking at them. Yeah, so it's just like, man, you have this crazy squeeze and everything. I mean, if you have the discipline discipline to play that right and you get in at the right time, yeah, there's money to be made. But so let's say they have this big pullback and like you think, oh man, all right, CEI went from like five bucks to like two fifty, you know, or something. I think I'm gonna get back in. The price is cheap, and then what if it just keeps bleeding and bleeding and bleeding? I mean, the thing's under a buck now. And then what if it gets delisted? Like a lot of these things go under a buck and they, you know, have to offer shares and they dilute and all this garbage happens. And then, you know, the exchanges are like, we're not even going to, you know, allow you to be traded anymore. Yeah, well, like with CEI, that one dude that lost his mind on me on YouTube, like cussing me out and crap because I was like, eh, CEI looks like crap. I'm not touching it. CEI is going to be at five dollars before you know it. And then I commented on being funny said yeah if they do a reverse split and that's when he just lost his mind (laughs) yeah that's yeah maybe if they do a reverse split like you're saying we'll see something that looks like a short squeeze on the chart where the price jumps up but it's not really going to be anything of the sort (laughs) yeah and that's like for me if i was trading these highly highly shorted companies Mm -hmm. as far as i know every well, I don't know about Robinhood, but I know Weeble and uh, for like the free stuff and TD for sure and all the other big brokers, uh, their software all has you can set alerts. So if, if a price hits a certain level, so like if you think this thing's going to squeeze to the moon, I would set, you know, like if I'm looking at CEI, OK, CEI is trading at 90 cents. All right. Well, I think this thing is going to just go freaking crazy if it hits a buck fifty three again, set an alert and then. You know, you know the squeeze is on at that point, but you know, I wouldn't bag hold on this kind of stuff for, for anything because you're more than likely going to be losing money. Yeah, man, I think we're on the same page for sure. Or look for high volume. That's another one because a lot of the stuff that the scanner you can get it over on the website wstrades.com. If you look at unusual volume scanner, that picks up stuff that's just going free eight, just going crazy. Like it's either up. 40% or down 40%. So look for, you know, a big spike in volume, uh, set an alert for a spike in volume on some crappy short squeeze trade and, you know, go from there. But just, yeah, just don't blame the market. Don't blame manipulation for trading these things. Just know that, you know, <laughs> you got to guess right. Yeah, definitely. All right, man. Did you have any tickers you wanted to uh, go over? Yeah, I was kind of looking at my February stuff, and it doesn't look like I have anything on ICLN, uh, which is Clean Energy ETF. And they made a pretty big move lower on the daily recently. They were trading up around 26, and then they started this fat sell-off. Had a little bounce off at 20 bucks, so I might sell a put on ICLN uh, for February monthly contracts. And then 
it looks like I also do not have a position on XLE for February. Um, and hmm, yeah, I don't know what to do here. I think I can play maybe either side on this one. I get into a trade because they ran up to about 59.50 or so. A fat pullback, but then they rallied up, and geez, they had a pump today uh, up 3%. So um, they made a pretty good move higher lately. So yeah, I don't know. I could, might go call side on that one, sell a call. Um, and then also, it looks like XLF. I do not, I did not get a position on there yet. Um, so that one is a financial ETF, and yeah, they're kind of hanging in the middle. Um, they had a pretty good move down to 37 or 38, but then they had a nice bounce. Um, so yeah, I guess either side of that one, uh, RSI is at 55 right now, so it's kind of centered. Um, yeah, I could go either way on that one, but I might look at those uh, tickers this coming week. Yeah, there's just one that I, I'm finding really interesting, and that's uh, Sony, which is ticker symbol S-O-N-Y. Uh, they're at this crucial level. They pumped pretty hard from like 117, hit 128, and now they came back down to this nice uh, what was resistance level. And I'm seeing if they're going to actually bounce from here or if they're going to sell off through it. I have a feeling they're going to break under it. Uh, well, I don't know. There's a trend line coming up to crap. Yeah, I'm going to wait for confirmation on this sucker before I, I get into it. But uh yeah, that's honestly, that's all I was looking at. I was kind of busy today. Yeah, I've got the chart pulled up right now, and I've got the daily pulled up. I kind of throw up a trend line there. Uh, throw up another one here. Let me see. I'm just going to throw up a couple trend lines. Um, yeah, they had that rip up to 128.3, it looks like, before this little bit of a pullback here. But, yeah, the RSI is... Also still, you know, at 58.72 on the daily. So, yeah, with that little bit of a retrace there, that hard rip, it looks like they want to try to pump again. So I could maybe see that thing trying to rip back towards the overbought area. Um, but, yeah, I guess we'll kind of kind of see how that one works out. Yeah, like I say, I'm just waiting for confirmation. I'm not doing crap with it yet. <laughs> but yeah, they have a really nice uh, support at like 117. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, what used to be resistance at like 125 ish. So I don't know if that might be their new support. Yeah, looking at the 125 level, it looks like uh, around November 8th, maybe around the 19th, pumped up December 8th. Few times it was like ramming up around that level and then with that fat candle on december 27th they busted above it nicely so yeah we'll kind of see if uh it's going to rip away from that maybe 125 or so if that thing sells like let's say on the daily time frame if that thing sells through that 125 and closes below it are you thinking of maybe going short yeah or possibly doing an iron i don't know what it would actually it's kind of far away I don't know what an iron condor would pay if I could get something around that 117 level on the puts and then uh, do the calls probably a little closer, maybe 30 delta, just okay. to collect a little bit more credit. Because like I say, I don't know. It's kind of iffy on whether it's going to stay above 
that level or not. Gotcha. Yeah, I guess it just depends on kind of the contract pricing and what you can get. Yeah. Cool. All right, and I did have one. You already know about it. Uh, website news. It's not on the website yet. Uh, I have to figure out one more thing. But if you use uh, Thinkorswim, you know that the uh, a lot of the indicators don't look right on the mobile uh, platform. And one thing that I used to trade a lot with was the TTM squeeze. And I even emailed uh, TD and asked him if they were going to do anything about, you know, fixing it so that the TTM squeeze indicator, which, you you know, they have stock on their platform, would actually work correctly. So you could, you know, actually trade off of it on the plat- on the mobile platform. And I got a real short, concise answer of no. So... <laughs> I figured, all right, well, let me see if I can do something about this. And so what the problem is, is the squeeze dots that, you know, you really need if you're trading uh, using the TTM squeeze don't show up. It's just, you know, a flat color. So I was able to fix that. And now uh, I got the, the squeeze dots to work, but they're not on the zero line. So, and like I was telling you, as far as I know, no one has figured that out on any sort of these think script uh websites even like on reddit everyone complains about it and uh no one's figured it out as far as i know so as soon as i can get that uh the squeeze dots down to the zero line i will upload it to the website and let you guys know about it uh probably do a youtube video about it nice yeah if you were able to figure that out it sounds like that would be the first time or the first you know place to do it so that'd be pretty awesome yeah and i figured out what it is and um, I'm not going to explain it here, but I'll explain it in the video uh, or the description when I actually upload it. It's I, I know what it is for each app, why it doesn't work. So I'll probably be able to fix a lot of them. And, you know, once I put it out in the community, hopefully people can fix a lot of the stuff that doesn't work for mobile that TOS doesn't give a crap about. Nice. All right, man, that's all I had. Cool. Yeah. Just before we sign off, uh, futures are up looking like, uh, slightly, uh, S and P 500 up 0.09%, uh, NASDAQ 0.12, Dow 0.06. And looks like Bitcoin futures are up 1%. So yeah, things are green for now. Of course they are. <laughs> Till the morning hits. Yeah. All right, man. I'll see you on the next one. All right, man. Catch you later. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this episode of the WS Trades podcast. If you are not subscribed to this podcast, please subscribe. Also head over to YouTube and search for WS Trades. You'll find us there as well. We've got trading updates as we make our trades over there and also educational videos. You can learn about different strategies within the stock market and options trading. And also please head over to WSTrades.com. Thanks again.